One of my first experiences in playing table tennis was in my garage out the back. My parents had a really small garage and they just got an ordinary table, put a net on it, and that's how I first started playing. And I think that's a pretty common experience. A lot of people start out in the garage, start out with a bat that you can't generate any spin with, and that's what people associate with ping pong. And when you start out thinking that this is how ping pong is played, it's easy to see how people think there's not a lot of skill or a lot of athleticism required to play this at a high level. Thanks for joining us on the Ask the Coach show this week. Our theme is going from the garage to a table tennis club, and that'll run through all our segments, tip of the week, drill of the week, remember when. I hope you'll enjoy it. Stay with us. I think the Olympics has been really good for table tennis. People are seeing it on TV, seeing the athleticism of the players, and they're just really enjoying seeing high-quality table tennis. So if you want to go from being a garage player to being a really good player, the first step really is to go join a club, because then you're around like-minded people who love table tennis, are enthusiastic about the game, and that's where you're going to really start to learn more about spin, speed, placement, and just becoming better at table tennis. Kevin wrote to us and wanted to join a table tennis club. He'd been playing a little bit with his friend. He only had one friend who was really serious about table tennis, but he was nervous about going to the club. He was worried that he wasn't going to be good enough. He'd get beaten easily. People would laugh at him. And he was also worried that he was, he was a kid and that there'd only be adults there. And I think, you know, some adults worry that there'll only be kids there, that there'll be no one their age. So these are common questions that people have. And it's common to be a little bit worried about that. But joining a club is a great experience. So we're going to teach you how to get from here to here. So, Alois, I think it's a common feeling that you're not going to be good enough to go to a club, isn't it? And, and how do people overcome that and take that step anyway? Yeah, we get this question a lot. And a lot of people say to us, you know, I'm not ready um, to go to a club yet because I'm not good enough. Um, I'm going to wait a while. The first thing is the reason we're going to the club is to improve. So even if you're a beginner, clubs often have um, opportunities for beginners to play, even if you've never played before. Yeah, yeah, and clubs want people to come, and yeah, like you said, they have programs to help you. But one thing I find is people say, I'm just going to get a little bit better, but at the club, it's going to be so much easier to improve, whereas at home, without people around that, are, mm -hmm. that already know how to spin the ball, it's harder to make as big an improvement. Absolutely. So by watching the Ping Skills videos, you're going to get a really good idea of what the stroke looks like. But then when you get to a club, you're going to see it firsthand. And you're also going to be able to feel um, the shots coming at you um, and also then be able to replicate the people around you as well. So I think, you know, by watching the videos and going to a club, that's the best scenario for everyone. Yeah. So that's easier to say, but I guess how do people overcome that, that fear? Yeah. It's not easy. Um, so first up, just maybe give them a call, try to contact them, see if they're on Facebook, um, and just make that initial contact if you're a little bit worried. Take a friend with you is the best way. Um, it's so much easier. Even if the other friend isn't really that interested in table tennis, just get them along. They might get really interested. Um, and I think, you know, if you can find a friend to take, fantastic. But be brave. 
Um, it is a really good step. And always remember that clubs are wanting table tennis players. They want new players. Table tennis isn't like a sport that, you know, the clubs are completely full and we, we haven't got any more space. They are looking for people just like you to get down there. Yeah, and I like that tip about taking a friend. When I first started playing, it was a friend of mine actually said, hey, why don't you come down? Why don't we go to the table tennis club? We used to play a lot together. And yeah, it makes it easier. And then when you're at the club, you meet more people and you meet more friends and you know, it just grows from there. That's right. So your friend that you take along might end up as an Olympian like Jeff. <laughs> Who knows? Oh dear. All right, um, what else do we need to think about when we're going to a club? Like, um, do we take our bat? Yep, so if you've got a bat, take it along. Even if you think, oh, my bat's not gonna be good enough, take it along. Um, if you haven't got a bat though, don't stress. Most clubs will have some equipment or they'll have an opportunity to purchase some, some equipment there as well. So don't be worried, just think about trying to get down there is, is the most important thing. You don't need an expensive paddle to start with. Just take any bat that you've got. They'll soon tell you if they think that your bat needs an upgrade, and that's great. And as I said, they will have some bats there that you can use as well. And then is it important to wear the right clothes? No, just make sure that you're comfortable. Something that you're gonna be able to be moving around in, active in, that's the most important thing. Pair of tracksuit pants, just wear um, some runners though. Make sure you wear runners or, or sneakers or whatever you um, want to call them. Um, again, just so that you can move around, but also that um, you're not going to mark their floors. So some um, flooring is sensitive to, you know, black sole shoes and those sort of things. So just if you wear a pair of runners, you can't go wrong. Okay, excellent. But if you've got a pair of table tennis shoes, even better? If you've got a pair of table tennis shoes, then you're probably way ahead of the game. So the other, the other thing is um, to think about uh, your um, shirts, okay? Just think, just think about just getting something that's comfortable for you. Um, again, you don't need a sports shirt, just something that's, um, that you're able to move around in. You certainly don't need anything this Larry. <laughs> Brilliant, all right. So there we are. If you haven't gone to a table tennis club yet, Find one, be brave, get down there, and I'm sure you will have a great time and your table tennis will really start to improve. It's time for Tip of the Week, and today we're looking at how to find a table tennis club. So, how do you find a club? A first step is to contact either your national or your state association. If you can find them, give them a call, send them an email, send them a message, and they will often get back to you and help you to find that club. If you can't find that, then you've still got the internet and Google searches. Just put in your local area, find a table tennis club and see what comes up. If you're in the US, here's a simple uh, site that you can use, teamusa.org. You can click on sports, go to summer sports and then over to USA table tennis. So, this will now get us into the, um, the table tennis specific part of the site. And up the top here, we've got a clubs link. And wow, here we go, find a club. Now, by clicking on find a club, we then come up with a map of the US, as you can see there. So if I'm in California, I might just zoom in to California there and 
All right, San Francisco, and I find something near to my house, the Concord Table Tennis Club, and I can view more details. So by doing that now, I have the details of the Concord Table Tennis Club and a website for that club as well. So as you can see, really simple if you're in the US to find something fairly close to you. There's also another site, TT Radar, which started in the UK. Again, really simple to use. We've got a map there. Now I've got a cousin in Luton. Um, if I was in Luton, where do I go to play? I can see there's a club at Milton Keynes and another one at St Albans. Um, if I click on the Milton Keynes Club, it gives me um, some details. Kids coaching on Thursdays, 6.30 to 7.45, etc. Contact details and also the cost, five pounds per hour. So how simple is that? Looking for a club in those two countries and all the information is there for you. It's time for the tournament wrap. And this week we're looking at the Brazilian All-Stars versus the Olympic legends. As a lead up to the Olympics, the ITTF put on an event the Brazilian All-Stars versus the Olympic Legends. Now, this proved to be pretty popular, Alois. Yeah, it was. Um, so what they did is they got um, three Brazilian national team players. So Hugo Calderano, Kazuo Matsumoto, and Gustavo Tsuboy. But I think the real attraction was the, uh, the Olympic Legends. So they uh, ended up with um, Jean-Michel Save, Jorgen Persson, and Wang Lee Chin. What a draw card. Wow, that's a pretty good lineup, isn't it? Uh, who wouldn't want to go and see them play? Yeah, so uh, they attracted 900 people to the event. Uh, for Brazil, was absolutely fantastic, and uh, and a really good initiative just to um, get get it out there to the Brazilian public that table tennis is uh, is in the Olympics, and have a look at the level of, of play as well. Now, how did the Brazilians go against these Olympic legends? Like, if you got these people coming along, you'd hope they did pretty well to sort of get the Brazilian fans behind them. Yeah, end up with a 3-1 win to Brazil. And the only match that the All-Stars won was... Uh, sorry, the, uh, the Olympic legends won was a doubles match. So, uh, yeah, so the Brazilians would have gone home very happy with that result. And I, I think the biggest thing is attracting 900 people to, uh, to that match is a really good promotion for table tennis in general. Indeed, um, yeah. Um, I'm a bit surprised because, you know, Jean-Michel Save was considering still trying out for the Olympics. Jorgen Persson only retired recently. Wang Lee Chin, surely he must be still pretty handy. So a good effort by the Brazilians. Yeah, it was. So in the first match, um, Calderano beat Jean-Michel Save. Uh, so 14-12, 9-11, 13-11, so some close games, 5-11, 11-6, sorry. Um, and then uh, Wang Li uh, Chin also got beaten by uh, Calderano in the last match. That, you know, like Wang Li Chin is no ordinary player and, uh, and neither was Jean-Michel Save, by the way. So uh, Wang Li Chin going down 3-1 to, uh, to Calderano in the last singles match as well. Um, and Suboy in the second match um, beat Jorgen Persson. Uh, so 3-2, 11-7 in the fifth game. Um, and the only success, as I said, for the, um, for the All-Stars 
uh, was uh, Kazuo Matsumoto and Suboy going down to Jorgen and Wang Lee Chin in the doubles. So a great event, great initiative and uh, great promotion for table tennis. Absolutely. So we'll put a, a link in the show notes where you can see a short video, some of the highlights from this. Great initiative. Well done, ITTF. And now we're all looking forward to the Olympics. For Remember When This Week, we're taking a look back at 1988, the very first time table tennis was in the Olympic Games. So our Remember When for this week is the very first Table Tennis Olympics, 1988 in Seoul, Korea. Just watching the final of the men's singles between two Koreans, unbelievable. First Olympics in Korea and two Korean men playing off in the final. Uh, Yunam Kyu and Kim Ki-tek. As you can see, two penhole players. Wow, wouldn't hear about it nowadays. Two non-Chinese. Wow, wouldn't hear about it nowadays. And the level was fantastic. Just watching um, Yunam Q's footwork in particular was unbelievable how he was able to cover the court all over with his forehand and still be able to play strong shots. We saw that one massive backhand that he played as well. Um, really good to, to just go back and watch the, the start of the Olympics and just see the history of where the Olympics has come from. So the men's singles, as we said, three non-Chinese, Yunam Q gold, Kim Ki-tek silver, and Eric Lind from Sweden um, getting the bronze medal. But in the women, it was China, gold, silver, and bronze. Interestingly, it was really difficult to find footage of the women's singles final. Very easy to find footage of the men's final. So the women's singles um, gold medalist was Chen Jing from China, silver medal Li Huifen from China, and bronze medal Xiao Jimin from China. So, really interesting to see where the game has come in, uh, in its history in Olympic table tennis. So, in the men's singles draw, where were the Chinese? So, Jiang Jiliang, number one seed, Chen Long Can was in there, and Xu Zheng Kai with the three Chinese men allowed in the draw. So Jiang Jiliang, interestingly, in the quarterfinal, lost to Eric Lind. Um, so he lost 3-1 to Lind. Um, Chen Longkan lost to the great man, Tibor Klampar, 21-19 uh, in the fifth, in the deciding game. And uh, Suzen Kai lost in the first round to Kim Ki-tek, 3-2 as well. So the Chinese gone by the quarterfinals, um, so not even playing off for medals. Um, where was the great Waldner? 
Interesting, Waldner lost to Kim Ki-tek. He would have been kicking himself. At that stage, Waldner was a much better player than Kim Ki-tek, let me tell you. He went down three games to two, 21-18 in the, in the fifth game. Um, so then in the semi-finals, Eric Lind shaped up against Yunam Q and went down 3-0. Um, and Kim Ki-tek knocked off Tibor Klampa. Um, 3-0 as well. So the two Koreans, obviously, with the home crowd right behind them, just rampaging into the, into the final. And Eric Lind then beat Tibor Klamper to win the bronze medal three games to one. So really interesting um, to see some of these names from history and where they got to. Uh, Seiji Ono from Japan went down first round to Eric Lind. Uh, Primorak went down to Yunam Q first round. Uh, Andre Gruber, the late Andre Gruber going down to Person in the first round. Uh, Ding Yi, Ding Yi, there you go, 3 1 um, in the first round to Clampar. Uh, Lupulescu, 3 0 down to Chen Long Can. And as we talked about Zuzen Kai going down to Kim Ki Tech. And Leshek Kuharski going down to Walnut, 3 2 in a close one in the first round as well. So um, they had uh, six groups of eight players. No, there was more than six groups. There was three, four, five, six, seven, eight groups of eight players. So 64 um, in the draw. Um, and again, able to incorporate a lot of players. There was um, group stages to start off with. So they played seven matches in the group. That's just huge. And then the knockout round of 16. Way too much table tennis for an Olympics, but that's how they did it in 1988. It's time for Drill of the Week, and we're going to be looking at how you can improve your on-table warm-up. When we're doing our on-table warm-up, a common way to start is by just doing some across-court hitting. We usually start with a counter hit type of stroke, so nothing too fast. Just starting to get the feel of the ball and starting to track the ball well. It's important that in that first five or ten minutes that you're utilising with your on-table warm-up that you are still making sure that you're focused and concentrating on something specific. So today I might be focusing on how accurately I'm getting the ball in the middle of my racket. So every time the ball hits my racket, I'm going to feel, okay, that one was a bit high, a bit low, that was better, that was in the middle, that was in the middle, etc. So when you're doing the warm-up, that you're still concentrating on something. You could also concentrate on your movement. So just making sure that you're just getting behind the ball every time and making that little movement before every shot. The other thing you can think about is thinking about the accuracy. So you could put a little target on both ends of the table and both players trying to be um, hitting that target during the warm-up. So let's just put something on the table. So I'm going to put a ball there and we're going to see if Jeff can hit it. It's getting pretty close. Now, now it's a moving target. It's going. Oh, and he got it. <laughs> so, so there's some things that you can start to focus on just while you're doing your warm-up. But 
Let's now think about how to make that warm-up even better. So a lot of the time when we do our warm-up, we're just going cross-court. So if it's two right-handers, we'd be having forehand to forehand for five minutes, or some players even do it for 10 minutes. Then we swap over and we go from backhand to backhand for 10 minutes. Let's start to explore now how we can make that even better. Table tennis isn't a game where you're playing from the one position for very long. You might play one ball from here, the next ball there will be a bit of movement, but the other really important key to table tennis is your ability to switch. So let's explore how we can warm that up right from the start. What we're going to do is we're going to start with an anywhere warm-up. Nice and softly to start with, just so you're starting to track the ball and utilise the correct stroke when it comes to the side of the table. So I'm going to focus on, whoa, focus on making sure that if the ball comes over onto this side, I'm playing my forehand, and if it comes on this side of the line, that I'm playing my backhand. So backhand on this side, forehand on that side. So you can see at the start there's a few little jitters and um, I'm not really tracking the ball that well. And after a few minutes, hopefully that'll get a little bit smoother and I'll be able to track the ball a little bit easier and really start to follow the ball. So that gets us into a game type situation really quickly uh, in our on-table warm-up. So let's try that now. So rather than just doing a lot of one-sided warm-up, let's start to do and explore anywhere warm-up. So this came about because I was talking to uh, Dr. Ross Pinder, um, a skills acquisition specialist that's working with our Australian Paralympic team. And his observation when we first started to, uh, to work with uh, Ross was, why are you doing that? Why are you just doing five minutes of forehands? It's so irrelevant for, for your game. Try the anywhere on-table warm-up and see if you can get into your training a little bit quicker. Like you mentioned, Alice, I see a lot of players just almost waste that five-minute warm-up because they're not really concentrating. And I, th I really like the idea of doing the anywhere um, warm-up because then you're going to have to put a lot more focus into it. Do you reckon there's any reason why in the past we've always just done the cross-court just to one spot warmer? Yeah, I think, there, I mean, there, there is a place for it because especially when you're starting out playing, it's difficult to be able to hit the ball from anywhere, you know, when you're learning your strokes, etc. And I think it's just developed from that. But it's a really, um, it's a very table tennis specific thing. Watch tennis players when they're warming up and they definitely don't just do one side and then the other side, they're hitting the ball anywhere. When squash players are warming up um, on, the, on the court, you know, they're sort of, they're doing a few forehands, a few backhands. So really start to explore now and think what is actually best for me when I am warming up. Yeah, and I guess also with table tennis, once you start doing the faster shots, it's hard to get a consistent rally um, if you're warming up. So if you're trying to get a lot of balls on the table, maybe the anywhere at full speed is not a great idea. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and that's probably another factor with table tennis. It is faster. It's faster than tennis, uh, where you've got a little bit more time to switch. Um, but it, that also makes it more relevant for table tennis because that switching and that decision-making between your forehand and backhand is 
so important once you get into a game situation. Okay, very interesting. All right, so next time you get out on the table, try this anywhere warm-up and let us know if you think it's better. It's now time for the questions. And remember, you can always ask your own question using the Ask the Coach section on the Skills website. Our first question is from Nikhil, who's mainly been playing at the office and wants to improve his game. And he feels that getting the right bat is going to have a big impact on his level of improvement. So what do you need to know about choosing a bat to take that next step from the office to the club? Yeah, so firstly, Nikhil, it depends on what you're using at the moment. So if you're using something like this, the, the hard bat, um, then you do need to upgrade, you know, even if you're using something like that, you know, with the, with the rubber off and all that sort of stuff. Um, but if you are using a bat with a bit of sponge underneath it um, and a, a grippy surface, then that might be all right um, to, uh, to start with. It just depends on your level as well. So we've got a video um, on how to choose a table tennis bat. Take a look at that because that gives you some really good guidance as to what level you need and what level you're at. Yeah, it's interesting because we kind of say that equipment's not the biggest difference, training is, but like you said, if you start off with a, with a hard bat, then you really can't generate any topspin, so you aren't going to be able to improve. So equipment's important up to a certain point. Yeah, exactly. And again, you know, um, if you are going down to a club and, you, um, and you're worried about it, don't be too worried about it because, you, as we said earlier, you can find uh, bats at the club as well. Yeah, exactly. And it's good just to get down there and then, then you start to learn more about the different types of equipment and it's easier to, to make a decision. Yeah. But don't get too hung up on it. Yeah. And the other thing is that often at the club, um, they will have some equipment there and you're better off going and buying it from the club than just going down to a local sports store because the local sports store um, will probably not have uh, the rain or sorry the the upper level equipment that you might be looking for and also the equipment that then you can uh, progress with a little bit more. Indeed all right great question Nickel. hopefully that helped you out. Next up is a question from Andy who went to a club, was really pumped, had a great time just having a social hit, and he wants to know some tips for improving even more hours. He wants to know, should I buy a table at home? Should I get a return board? Um, should I have more purpose when I train? Mm -hmm. uh, what tips do you have to help him improve? Um, because he's just been to the club for the first time. Yeah, Andy, well, firstly, well done on getting down to the club and you had a good experience. I love, I love to hear that. Um, so, Andy, what else can you do? So, firstly, the thing is get down to the club as often as you can. So, find out when they're open and also what different activities they've got. So, they might have um, a social hitting um, night that'd be great to get to because then you get to play with different people. They may have some structured coaching as well. Get to that if you can. So try to get down there as much as you can. But at home, thinking about what you can do, if you can get a table at home, fantastic. The only limitation is, do you have someone to play with? If not, a return board, mm, don't really like them. Um, I've, I've hit with them um, a couple of times and I think it just requires a lot of skill just to get going with a return board and it's hard to practice anything um, in particular with it. So 
a robot is probably a better option for you if you if you definitely don't have a partner to to train with so think about a robot you can get some different options now um, the other thing is if you can find someone to just feed you multi-ball at home that'd be like super duper but absolutely um, and yeah. we've got a course on multi-ball so i'll put a link in the show notes so you can check out how to do multi-ball mm-hmm. um what about for Andy playing in some competitions? Is that a good idea or does he need to improve first? What's Definitely get into a competition. Again, they may have a local uh, pennant or fixtures or um, league that, um, that they run uh, every week. Get into it. Uh, even if you, and you probably will be, at the bottom grade to start off with, but get in there and you'll just start to learn a lot more about the game and you'll start to um, just see what other people can do. And just being down there on that competition night, you might get to watch the A-graders um, and, uh, and just see how they play as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, well done, Andy, on getting into the club. Great to hear your enthusiasm. Keep it up and hopefully these tips help you get even better. Next up, Sujith has asked, can I reuse the blade, the wooden part, of a pre-made bat to make my own custom bat? You can do it, but the tricky part is getting the rubber off the old bat. Now, I've attempted it here with this uh, pre-made bat. You can see that a lot of the um, sponge actually sticks pretty hard to the wood. I've managed to get most of it off on this side. You can see there's still a fair bit of yellow there. But how did I get it off? I used um, a sander or some sandpaper to, or grit paper to, to rub it off. Uh, you can also use um, something like a mineral turpentine to um, j- just soften the, the sponge there to help you to get that off. Like that, it's pretty well good enough to use. I'd probably just sand that back a little bit more so that there's no, none of the yellow on the blade. So it's actually what I've done with this bat here. So it's exactly the same thing, pre-made bat, cost about $5. um, And now I've got a racket where I've put some decent rubber on uh, one side. On this bat, I'm using it um, to practice with some anti-spin as well. So I've got an anti-spin rubber on that side and I've got an andro rubber on this side here, which is quite a fast rubber. Um, And let's just see how it performs. So as you can see, with a decent rubber on one side, you can do a lot with a pre-made bat without too much difficulty. Yeah, so initially some of this yellow stuff, it's pretty soft, but it is really sticky to get off. You can use some sandpaper and that'll help. So you can see there, that some pretty big chunks of the yellow sponge are coming off pretty easily. And eventually it gets down to that sort of level. And as I said, I'd probably just sand that off a bit more just to make sure that it's just a nice smooth surface is the main thing. You just want, you don't want any little lumps in it because those lumps um, will, um, mean that the rubber that you stick on will be a little bit uneven. So just as long as you get that really nice and even, get all that uh, sponge off. And basically then you're good to go. 
you're good to stick a good rubber onto, onto that blade. Some of the pre-made bats will be a lot easier to get the uh, sponge off. You know, some of them will, will peel off just like you would uh, with a custom-made bat. But some of them that are made in the factory and mass-produced will use a really strong glue and that's what you're going to get. So that will take a bit more effort to just sand that back. You can even use a sanding machine, I, I do. Uh, you just need to be really careful that you don't start to dig into the wood too much because then, that, again, that will give you an uneven surface. So, Jeff, Daniel's asked us a question, and this is one for you. What does the M and the P on the videos on our site mean? Ah, good question, Daniel. Uh, we get this asked a lot. The M stands for member. I'm not sure that's so, such a good choice in hindsight. My son thought it meant it was M-rated. Uh, ah, no. <laughs> definitely not. Uh, M means member, so if you're a free member, you can watch all of those. P means premium, and our premium members can watch all the premium members. And if it doesn't have anything, you don't even have to be a free member to watch it. You can just watch it. Okay, thank you. There you go. Uh, another interesting thing about the site, Alloys, mm -hmm. is the site search we have now. Mm. So it's organised fairly well, I think, but to, if you want to just start out, go to lessons and strokes and techniques and follow them in order. But if you're looking for a specific question that you want answered, on top of each pa uh, page is a little bar and you can just type in your search and up will come the relevant results. And Jeff, I'd have to say that I'm probably the one that uses that the most because we go through and, and we get questions and I think, I'm sure we've made a video about that and I've got to search in the top search bar all the time because how many videos have we got, Jeff? Oh, hundreds, hundreds. Yeah, yeah so... Yeah, yeah. Over 400, I think, now. Yeah. So anyway, yep, use the search bar and uh, yeah, you'll find some, a lot of good stuff there. Ill's asked a question about whether he's allowed to stamp his foot as he's serving the ball. And this is an interesting one, because a lot of players uh, don't like it when someone stamps their foot as they're serving the ball because they can't hear the sound of the contact and that gives them a lot of feedback as to what type of spin is on the ball. So is it illegal? Well, there's no official rule that says you can't stamp your foot. So in that regards, it's probably legal. There is, however, a rule about deliberately distracting your opponent, so you're not allowed to do that. So that makes this a bit of a gray area. But in general, most people are stamping their foot and are not getting faulted for it. So by that token, it seems like it is allowed. Well, that wraps up show 270 from garage to club. Thank you everyone for watching and we'll be back next week with another episode. All the music from today's show is from the YouTube Audio Library. Remember, if you'd like your table tennis question answered, then head over to the Ping Skills website at www.pingskills.com and use the Ask the Coach section. We love getting your questions and we just simply love talking about table tennis. So jump on over and ask your question. For those of you who didn't know, Alois is quite a disco dancer. 
So recently, I asked him for a bit of advice on what you should wear when you go out to a nightclub. Here's what he said. Just make sure that you're comfortable. Something that you're going to be able to be moving around in, active in, that's the most important thing. A pair of tracksuit pants. Just wear um, some runners, though. Make sure you wear runners. Thanks again, everyone, for watching. And until next time, keep enjoying your table tennis. <laughs>